Um, hello and welcome back to Around the World in YouTube Cinema with Saskia and Maddie. Sorry if I sound like a croaky frog. It's okay. You sound quite cute. Sorry if I mid mid chat just flex. Did you say mid chat? <laughs> mid chat flem. The image of shat flem is really giving me clapped right now. So we're recording from again pretty unconventional circumstances. I'm actually in Berlin and Maddie's in Greenwich. Oh, Blackie. <laughs> um, and yeah, we're still making it work. We've even got a little time difference, which is cute. Um, but yeah, as we're in quite different places, we've probably got quite a lot of different media consumption going on right now. Do you want to run through a couple of things you've seen recently? Even um, theatre, if you're feeling wild. Mean Streets the other day. Oh, very topical for today. <laughs> obviously, completely coincidentally, not to inform my chat. Um, Harvey Keitel's fucking pet. I love Harvey Keitel. Oh, great. <laughs> oh, you'll be slopping all over the place, ladies and gentlemen. You should watch that shit. Anything um, else? I, so I went to see Lars in Soho thinking that there was a possibility that I would be in it. because No, it there. looks shit. But I wasn't there. I was too short of the camera, I believe. Um, sure are. And have you, wait, you've not seen it? No. It's so bad, man. It's like, it's just like London fetishism, but like really miscalculated because it, it's like Lars in Soho, but like not, even all of it's in Soho. It's not. It doesn't really explore Soho. It kind of tries to be this sort of feminist horror, but it's super what? like uninteresting and Sounds doesn't dead. make any sort of point. And none of the characters are fleshed out at all. It honestly would have been better if they'd have just gone to Soho after like the clubs closed and just filmed random drunk people. Like that would have made a solid blockbuster that like anyone would have wanted to see. We should do that. Yeah, we should do that. Mm -hmm. I've, I've been to the cinema quite a lot because I've managed to find a few cinemas that are really cheap. There's this one where like, it's like under 25, they like pay like five euros or something. And every time I do it, I feel like I'm get, like scamming them and we'll get clocked, but it's just fine. And so I saw, um, what have I seen? I saw that film, which I still don't know how to pronounce, Borgia or Borga, which I think you'd love, which is the one which is like a Ghanaian German project. And it's basically like, have you seen City of God in the Brazilian film? Yeah. It's basically kind of like, I would put, categorize it as like kind of updated that, but like if the protagonist of City of God managed to get out to like a, like somewhere in Europe or the Western world or something, and then kind of go back and have to like deal with everyone thinking that he's some like a rich big man who's managed to like leave. Um, which was really interesting. Um, and it was like in German and is Ghanaian, a la is Ghanaian one language or is there different dialects? I actually have no idea. No, I've got no clue, but it was, it was in but two multiple languages, which worked really well. And then me and Ruben went to see June the other day, which I was like, Oh shit, what did you think? So basically here's my hot take, which is not that hot. It's so insanely not a bit of me, that genre, like, Old school films, which are like sci-fi films or whatever, are like Star Wars because they always have like humour and wit is like a really cool part of it. And then all of the random shit that's going on with like space fighting, whereas, or like futuristicness. Whereas this, the ones they make now, like even recent Star Wars, they have no humour. They're so serious and then yeah. have all the fighting and stuff. So I found it to have was like... Was there not even one laugh? No, there was no, there was no laugh. I, get, I literally, there was not one. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like that's so hard anyway the point is i don't know what the point is the point is we can actually get started now um 
So the topic of our pod today is a bunch of short films by Scorsese we, recently. We thought, we're doing America, let's go for a big name, but something that's like... With a twist. ...and freely available on YouTube. Woo! So- <laughs> um, and these are really fun. I actually love them. What yeah, me think? too. Yeah, I really enjoyed them. And there's also just so much variety. Like, I thought that it might be like a bunch of him exploring, like, say, one technique to be like, hey, here's how I'm working this thing out in like a medium of like little short chunks. But instead, it was like, let me try every different kind of artistic way of presenting like a story or something. So we have, I mean, the ones that I've looked at. Yeah. You know what? Let's just jump right in. What was your favourite? Little Scorsese short that you Oh, I didn't even think about which one I'd actually like the best. Um, I don't know, I really liked aspects of loads of them, but I probably enjoyed Italian American the best. Yes. Um which is one of the later ones. So that was from like nineteen seventy four, I think. Uh, I think so. Um, and it's like a documentary about his parents. Um Yeah. So this was created as part of he was asked to... There was a project about making short films about immigrant communities, and he was asked to do the Italian-American one. And he decided, rather than doing some sort of, like, chronological, straightforward, let's explain the story of the Italian-American community in New York, he was like, why don't I just ask parents? And so he just went with a film character... film character he just went with the film characters his parents (laughs) which is literally what they are because they're like caricatures of what you'd imagine italian americanness to be with their like massive chunky glasses and like really kitsch home and like literally the whole thing revolves around the mom cooking up like a pasta sauce (laughs) she and then he made her into a caricature of italian americanness by making her the archetypal italian american mom because he put her in so many of his films, like after this essentially so playing herself. <laughs> Literally just playing herself. It's so funny. Did you realise that she's in? It's not just you, Murray. Yeah, I literally saw okay. her and I was like, "That's hilarious." I've been thinking <laughs> about her as an actor and character. Yeah, so it's funny. really funny. Um, but one thing I really liked about it was how um they yeah so they have like cooking at the center of it and that was like the first thing that I noticed and I was like this is really nice because it's like okay so one thing I'd read about was like talking someone talking about narrative voice in all of these short films so I can bring that up a couple of times but in this one it was like someone says that people often criticize like using voiceover or like interview as like devices because it can just be contrived because it's telling not showing do you know what I mean um yeah but I really like that I thought Italian-American really defies that because, like, obviously they're telling you stuff the whole time, but they're also showing you by the way they interact and, like, for example, the way they have food at the centre of it. This is, like, showing you what it means to be Italian-American and a family in this context and, like, all of that little background context going on by them just acting as a family. I just thought it was really funny. Yeah. It recalls to me some of the questions about the, like, ethical issues of documentary Yeah, I kept thinking about that module when we were watching it. I was like, which format is this? I was like... Would they be comfortable with how they're coming across? Is it okay that we're kind of laughing at them? And like, but it's not. But it's not malicious like, laughing. No, but especially in the bit where um, her so Catherine Scorsese and Charles Scorsese, I think it. I think mm-hmm. their names. I think so. Um, yeah. 
and he kind of has a go at her for like putting on a voice and she's like I'm not putting on a voice and I feel like that's very interesting to like how much they're acting in like acting for the camera and how aware they are of how they're actually coming across when I was watching it I felt a very clear turning point when you could like tell I wonder where it is in my notes but where you could tell she'd relaxed because she you could kind of tell she stopped doing stuff for the camera and became more naturalistic I thought um but like it makes sense like you feel quite like on show um but yeah I definitely thought that was it was quite sad as well like their relationship you know that her being like what are you doing why are you so far away from me yeah (laughs) yeah but they were cute in the end I feel like also it just made me it made me quite appreciate his patience with them. Like, he doesn't get frustrated with them at all. No, but I like that he was just part of the furniture in the scene. Do you know what I mean? He, he barely says anything at all. He's just kind of there, <laughs> letting yeah, it wash it over him. Indicates, it indicates, like, further patience that he then had them in his later films. Like, they're both in Goodfellas. And apparently, Catherine Scorsese used to, like, come onto sets and cook for all the cast and crew. That's so cute. Isn't that so sweet? (laughs) That Um, is such a good fact. And also, I think the best thing from this is, if you're you're looking at that pasta sauce that she's Mm. cooking, you're thinking, "Mm, oh boy, I want to make me some of that, then you can actually buy Catherine Scorsese's self-published cookbook. That's crazy. I actually wish I'd known that sooner. It definitely would have been on my Christmas list. It's called Italian Americans. Oh, the Scorsese family cookbook. Uh, it's a short, short. It's a small uh, ninety-five pounds on Amazon. Okay, okay, maybe not. <laughs> Wishful thinking. <laughs> and I just think it's so funny because the front cover isn't like her and her family. It's her and Joe Pesci in Goodfellas. What? <laughs> That's really funny. But I can imagine her thinking that was an enterprising idea. Like that's where they'll know me from. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, I don't know what I meant to say. Yeah, because I found it really funny that it was just like almost like a constant blooper reel is what it felt like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember what the turning point was. It was like they go through this like personal moment where they're looking through photo albums of their old memories of like them visiting Italy, I think on their honeymoon or like loads of older pictures. And is it was just intercut with some kind of like archival footage. I don't know if it was archival footage in that chunk or whether it was just their photos in that chunk. Oh, the photos. Yeah, the photos bit because it's like they're kind of inviting oh God, you into the their. Honeymoon. Yeah. Like, it happened like the year before. Yeah, yeah, literally. They really unhappy. Yeah, literally, and for some reason <laughs> there's like. <laughs> there's like sixty-eight <laughs> other people on their honeymoon as well, inexplicably. I just... This is my aunt here. She's 80 years old. Here I am standing. We have, this is her niece, her granddaughter, right? And this, we had a few friends with us. This is also in Palermo. What is that? This is cows. They were in the street there, right in front of the house. And we took a picture of them. We thought it was very nice. But I thought that bit was quite like they're inviting you into the home. Because it's kind of like you're the Donny who's there as well as Gorsese. Like, I don't know if it's his cameraman or whoever's there. But it's like you're there alongside as like a yeah. mate who's been brought into the home. And it's like, okay, look, we're initiating you in. Look at all these like photo albums after photo albums, blah, blah, yeah. blah. That is very natural. And it's it's also nice because like another kind of form of art takes over. So I feel like the pressure is off them because they're explaining themselves through these photographs rather than Definitely. their performance at that moment, which is um, kind of like then they, they are able to be the kind of filmmaker because they're putting together the scenes for yeah, the camera. That's so true. Some more background to this film. His 
film teacher at the time. So he graduated, I think, from NYU, and yeah. his teacher was much more a fan of documentary filmmaking hmm, than that's interesting. filmmaking. And he thought it was much more valuable and that fiction filmmaking was something that happened in Hollywood and that documentaries should be the focus. But Scorsese sort of disagreed and believed that there is actually... He, like, still says, like, he doesn't fundamentally believe that there's a difference between the two. Mm. Which I think is so interesting considering he's filming his mum and dad and, like, putting no narrative around them, yet he still believes that this is the same type of film as, like what shutter island yeah but it kind of fits with loads of his films because like he he often has like the protagonist be like what you'd call like a talker who's basically just burbling on and like that's essentially who they are like you couldn't have cast them better if it was a fiction film like you would just cast them as them because that's how hilarious they are in this role of like the burbly talker telling you about life um And it, yeah, it makes me think, I don't know why so much of this is coming back to our bloody module, that, to be fair, neither of us enjoyed that much. But <laughs> there, that was a question that came up. It was like, when does the like fact and fiction line actually come in documentaries? Like, where do you where do you draw that? It can be really difficult. Yeah, but this felt pretty real, you know? But I think it's, it's more, it brings into question something like Mean Streets. Because mm. the kind of tapestry-esque nature of some of his later films. Like, I feel like Italian-American reveals that he's so interested in, like, this community. And I feel like Martin Scorsese, a lot of the time, is always thinking through, like, what he could have been and, like... Yeah. Like, other possible lives that he could have had. Um, I think that's definitely true. Did you find... Did you read that, like, his alternative thing to being a filmmaker was to become a priest? He was going to become a Catholic priest. (laughs) That's so interesting because one of the things that people often see in his films is um, some quite serious, like, Catholic guilt. Yeah, it makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, And then the film kind of, like, uh, takes, like, a shift where it goes from being, like, just centred on them and their particular little history to, like, a more broad history, I think, of, like, Italian-American the community in that neighborhood yeah and like how it came to be in like the tenements and that kind of district where I think I've actually been because I went to a tenement museum with my fam which is like right next to where they're talking about because they they went on to be like and then the like Chinese community moved in like Chinatown was right there and it had originally been like Jewish Italian Irish communities and I've been in a tenement museum so I would have been in a yard that would have been almost identical to theirs which I thought was really interesting wow. um but I thought it was funny how it was looked at very sentimentally and like the way they spoke about um the kind of like process of like integration and like different like nationalities and ethnic groups yeah. taking over from one another was really I quite bizarre. I thought that was really fasc- fascinating as well because when Charles I'm really worried his name's not Charles I'm pretty sure it is. I think it is when, I think he's more of a Charlie isn't he did I just make that up? Charles Charlie I don't know. When Charles Scorsese mentions um the Irish community and he's kind of like being a bit kind of like casually sort of like racist you know I feel like a lot of Scorsese's films reveal this like casual racism that happened in Italian American communities which is that the plot of the Irishman I'm sorry I haven't seen it but is that the plot I have no idea what the plot of the Irishman is don't ask me that okay um 
my parents rated it one of the worst films of all time, so I didn't watch it. Yeah. You know Robert De Niro has blue eyes? No, he doesn't. You've just made that up for attention. (laughs) I was watching a tiny clip of it today because I heard that they CGI'd his face. (laughs) (laughs) I'm imagining it to have like, you know those Kardashian videos where they've clearly edited it, but it's a video, so it like wobbles like this. That's how I'm imagining it. It's actually a Snapchat filter. Guys, did you know that The Irishman was filmed entirely on Snapchat? Pass it on. (laughs) (laughs) All three hours. (laughs) Um, No, but, like, you see this, like, racism in the Italian-American community in Sopranos and... You know, I can't say this because I haven't seen so many of these films so recently. I know Sopranos isn't a film. I mean, like, I was about to say, like, Godfather, Goodfellas, but I feel like here you get, like, a very intimate moment of it. And you kind of see an argument between them play out in this mm. funny way where, like, she takes over the camera because you're in the kitchen with her and she runs the tap so that he can't hear her. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, here's the real tea. They're really not that bad, you know. Like, <laughs> But I thought it was quite a funny um, chronology as well because, like, it's a... Uh, they, like... Um, you can kind of see how different groups like not take over I don't know what the right word is but start like growing so that the other one feels pushed out and obviously they acknowledge their own status as being the pusher outers when they kind of almost take over from the Irish and then like Uh our Irish community and then they say like then it's passed on to like Chinese community and it's passed on to this and it's funny how that pops up in other stuff like it made me that little chunk made me think of um do the right thing um, where like the pizza makers, whatever, are like the yeah. I can't think of their names, but they're like the last kind of Italians on the block essentially in Brooklyn, and like they're getting squooshed gradually out. Squooshed. Um, but yeah, I thought like little chronological migration history was interesting. Mm, it is. It's like actually, I think this film is so effective in showing, making you think about something really significant and broad by just seeing a very natural interaction between an old married couple and a mama cooking some sauce. Yeah, know? and it's just, it's a much nicer way to hear about it as well, because it, like like we said, it's like being a part of it almost, where if you were watching just someone do a really traditional kind of historical doc about this era and this place mm. and this community, it would not be as engaging at all, because yeah. like you get all of the... It wouldn't I don't be know. as personal. And I guess if we're going to think about the ethics of documentary making as well, like... He's filming his own parents, you know? That is, like, almost the ultimate form of consent. Definitely. But also, like, being able to watch what they're saying without butting in, when you obviously have, like, a lot of shared experiences and what they're talking about, and it's also your kind of history and your stories, the idea that I or you could do that without just being like, and another thing, you forgot <laughs> this part of the story, mum. Like, or shut up, mum. Yeah, shut up, mum. I've seen these pictures a thousand times, mum. Don't show me that cow. No one in the USA wants to watch this video, mum. <laughs> 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 And, um, oh, no, I had one more thing I wanted to say. Oh, yeah. Also, okay, this is not talking about the ethics, so we can go back to that in one second, but I just thought they were so jokes. So, like, most of my notes is just me writing down lines and being like, this is really funny. And obviously, out of the context, they're not funny because you need just their performance of saying them. But, like, the only thing I can see on this page was me saying, my father's name was Martin, but a lot of people called him Philip. And, like, the way she delivers that line is so funny. But one finale thing I was going to say was, um, back to, like, just all of the practices and processes that seem like a core part of, like, family and Italian-American-ness. 
um like making seemed to be a big part of it like not just like in their work and what they do but like I said with the cooking and stuff and like it's very important to pass down methods between generations like when they were talking about the wine production I really like this like kind of idea of intergenerational like mm. passing stuff on to the next generation yeah. of your family I the sacredness cool. of those rituals yeah. when you're displaced from your definitely your and nation this... and then also the sacredness of those rituals like being such a hot topic because when there's a disagreement between them like that's their biggest argument is like no he didn't step on the grapes yeah. yes you did step or, on the or one thing I found my rituals. or something I found really hilarious was that the rituals were somehow competitive so like between the married couple mm-hmm. of um, Charles why can't we remember his name Charles it's Charles and Charles and Catherine it's because it doesn't suit them at all like they should be called like something super Italian sounding sounds like the king and queen yeah exactly oh yeah, my god it does Charles and Catherine they're competing for whose family does all these productions better, even though they have a shared family as well. And they'll be like, my dad's technique of squashing grapes was better than your dad's. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so funny to me. But even though they're like, what, like in their 60s, 70s, they're still there like jabbing. Mine's better than yours and my process yeah. and my family. My dad's recipe's better. Fans out there, um, she reminded me so much of Tony Soprano and Sarah I don't even know if I remember Tony Soprano's mum because I only watched a couple of episodes. Paint me a word picture, or is it just Catherine? I mean, Tony Soprano's mum is just a lot more of a nightmare, like not a very nice person, but like in the way that they're both quite like mouthy and difficult. Um, that I it just called out called out to me as a Tony Soprano's mum kind of ghost haunting the film. Um just a bit of a jump but one of the things I thought was really interesting about this collection being of his short films just being released together and whatever is like how it's like quite a bizarre chronology because you kind of assume this is all in his early career but actually these are going on like as he goes from like um kind of like in not insignificant that just sounds rude but like obscurity to like fame like the, well, the Italian American comes out after or just before Taxi Driver. Let me double check. Like it's around the same time as Taxi Driver. Like that is a big boy film for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But loads of the others are like, well, he's still a Tish. Well, he was always quite interested in like doing documentary at the same time. Like he did, um, he did a documentary about George Harrison, mm. and he did Rolling Thunder, the Bob Dylan documentary. Um, and they seem like two quite like distant strains of his artistic canon you know yeah definitely but and also like what's the closest in time that other one was? um the big shave yeah that was like what five years before the big shave is 1967 so yeah so the this... big shave is just student has student movie like ran all over it you know definitely and it's the same with uh, It's Not Just You, Murray, which we'll go into a bit more depth about in a minute. That's, like, I think 1964. And they're very, very playful. And and it's funny how there's a lot of, like, stylistics in these two. A lot of, like, he's really thought them through. He's clearly, like, you can you can visualise the storyboard. That That's so them. true. I was literally seeing the storyboard. Uh-huh. And, and then Italian Americans is just a camera in front of two people you know and it's it's really interesting how once he emerges into proper filmmaking proper in inverted commas um all that kind of planning sort of falls away but you do see what remains of those films yeah definitely do you think that would you say that like italian american is like formless like 
do you think it use, like makes use well, of for Well, I think archival footage being cut in there makes it have some form. And also the fact that he actually went back, so he did it over two shoots. She made the sauce twice, you know? <laughs> I didn't know that. They're wearing um, the same garms, aren't they? I know, exactly. Hmm, that's it's, funny. Yeah. So, that's so it's a bit more curated than you think. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the big shave next because I feel like we should work backwards chronologically and also I yeah, think it's the sure. farthest removed because um, the big shave is like five minutes whereas Italian Americans is like 45 minutes and it's fucking horrible. Do you want to just briefly <laughs> explain like how it starts out and what it descends oh into? Me and Seb watched this and I have a really good recording of us like squirming. Oh God. He's really shaving him to f- himself to fuck right now. Shaving himself for like he's got. Stop. 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 No, please. No. No, it's horrible. It's such a horrible film. I hate it so much. It's horrible. Oh, please stop. Oh, God. Why is he doing this to himself? Please stop. Please. So oh, Please stop. It's horrible. No. Christ alive. Oh, God. I'm going to be sick. <laughs> Yeah, like, I, I can't express how much I didn't expect it to take the turn it took. Well, I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to have a dark first. turn, but I did not... Okay, it starts out like... Okay, maybe I'll say that a little bit, but it starts out basically like a toothpaste Spoiler advert. <laughs> no, it starts out like a toothpaste advert. That's all I was thinking. You've got all of the white tiles in a sh- gleaming white bathroom, yeah. and then you've got just like kind of like zoom-ins of the taps, etc., etc., and then some fit like topless man he's about to come in and do some grooming you thought he was fit no not fit i mean physically fit you waist cadet <laughs> sorry some fit guy who comes into the shop <laughs> <laughs> so jeez Scorsese. okay and then what happens um he just starts fucking shaving off his old face it's horrible okay but he starts having like a shave he starts having a normal shave something so nasty about it just like you're just like, please stop. And there's this like swinging music the entire way through. It just feels like something that someone would make. Like, sorry, Scorsese. And like, I am interested in the political message behind it. But like, it just feels like something you would make in like GCSE like film. Oh, I think that's mean. I kind of know what you mean because but it would be like shot on an iPhone with no lighting. No, um, not even. Yeah, like, it would, like... it would. Because I think, like, it works better than that, I think, a little bit. Because you've got, like... I thought it was quite cool the way that the jazzy kind of tunes is, like, totally at odds with the fact that it's first... Well, not at odds, like, in my view, from it seeming like a toothpaste advert and then completely at odds from it being, like, clearly horror visuals. Yeah. Um, Like, there's a lot of stuff going on at once. So there's, like... I, maybe it's purely because I don't, like sense a score like this and yeah it literally just is he starts off shaving and then gradually he just starts keeps shaving and then you see like a little bit of blood where you're like oh that's just normal people get bloody spots on their face no he just keeps going and going and going until his face is like covered and covered and covered and then he just slits his throat right across yeah um so so what was this messaging behind it then because I literally wrote in my notes, I actually didn't do much research on this at all, and I wrote down, I wonder what his intention was. Is he blah, 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 blah? But you actually know, so tell me, please. Well, it actually says at the end, it's funny enough, in the credits, 
if you'd picked up on it. If you've been paying attention. Sorry about that. Um, there's an alternative title, which is Viet. Ooh, interesting. Um, and it's basically anti-Vietnam War film. He was him and fucking everyone else his age. Um, he was part of the like anti-Vietnam War student movement. Hmm. of the 60s of the late 60s this has made me realize how much i don't know about scorsese and his life yeah he actually um i I couldn't find any of the footage but he actually did some like documenting of a lot of the student strikes at the time um harvey Keitel was also um doing some protesting against. of course he was yeah um so this film is well the way i see it is like it's sort of a exposure or like a parody of like how america was like self-brutalizing mm. um by participating in like senseless violence um definitely and this and the the like inherent like futility in the act of what he's doing like you as the viewer yeah. is constantly like stop just stop what you're doing like you can't can't you see yeah. that you're hurting yourself like that is your whole react uh-huh. and i think also the fact that it's uh like a young man, you know, like... No, definitely in his prime. Yeah, being just brutalised by, like, his own hands or, like, yeah. he could no, maybe represent, 100%. like, the hands of his nation, you know. Like, once you think about it in that way, I think it's pretty effective, but... I think that gives it I much more... I have no more... idea, you know? But yeah. maybe if you were immersed in the context, in that context, if, if you were seeing it at, this, at that time, and it was this piece of, like... Like, I said it looked like an A-level piece because now this sort of thing is done a lot, but I guess at the time it would have been genuinely really shocking, you know? And maybe it would have been a pretty powerful piece of, like, I don't know if you want to call it anti-war propaganda, but, like, anti-war art, you know? Yeah, and it's interesting that from, like, I don't know, without knowing the background, it doesn't necessarily work as well as a message. Like, there's some stuff where you can definitely gauge the what it's trying to criticise, even though you weren't a part of that particular period of time or movement or whatever. Like, whereas this, without the knowledge, like, it's still an interesting short. But I personally, like, it's so obvious when you know, but I did not, like, deduce any of that being a part of the, like, yeah, thought behind it. Yeah. What did you think of it in terms of, like, looking at his future filmmaking oh that's a big question um well i think he's quite interested in violence yeah full stop. <laughs> the understatement of the century for me yeah <laughs> um but aside from that i think that's just like that would be my main takeaway of what it like sets up the rest of his films to be like yeah and also yeah just playing with form because like back on the little narrative voice thread that i was running on before Um, I read someone who'd kind of compared all of these short films looking at narrative voice in all of them and how, like, this one has literally no speech, I think, not a single word, but how he's using form um, to make it, like, a basically study in, like, doing narration just through, like, incisive camera work. Like, it's telling a story, like, just through the way it's being shot, Um, which is cool, because I think he's just interested in playing around with narrative voice and unreliable narrators in different ways of, like, narrating tales, basically. What about you? well yeah I think also this this individual young white male mm. having some sort of crisis crisis definitely at the heart of every tale ever exactly um 
specific, like particularly Scorsese. You know, this guy, he could be taxi driver. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the violence, the 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 unhingedness. Um, Something bubbling under the surfaceness. Yeah. The the like, kind of like also sort of inter like maybe questioning of like norms of masculinity you know he comes in looking all broad-shouldered about to do his daily shave mm. and then it all falls to pieces because i think something scorsese often works with is this kind of toxic masculine archetype yeah uh, and the cracks in that yeah and the sense of like toxic masculinity being something that like wrongs the young man in society yeah. like not being like i don't know there's so many films which like claim to critique toxic masculinity but instead they just like end up idolizing it and you're like yeesh whereas i don't feel like that happens as much in scorsese but maybe that's just a mad sweeping statement i'm thinking oh, mainly of taxi driver like no one's idolizing that guy <laughs> i wanted to say another really funny cameo um of Catherine Scorsese and Charles Scorsese is one of the newspaper clippings in Taxi Driver that's on his wall. Oh my god, has it got them in? Parents are shocked. <laughs> and it's them on the sofa that's in front really of the funny. TV and it's that very living room. Was Catherine Scorsese, like, going back to Italian-Americans, appeared in films from 1964, which the film we're about to talk about, um, that's not all you might, to 1984, which was like a year before she died. She was she out there. In, she, in her last um, film appearance. Isn't that quite amazing? And she's been that's in like Oscar-winning, Oscar-winning films because of... Yeah, so if you like look them up, like it's really funny because it categorises their jobs as being like their standard jobs plus yeah, part-time like, actors <laughs> yeah literally just really funny because people use it to be like and this is why Scorsese was so interested in film because of his parents being film stars no way. <laughs> <laughs>